friends, welcome to the Sunday Sermon segment of We Need God. Please listen as Father Carrozza offers his homily for today, which was recorded live in St. Anne's Parish. Poor Peter, huh? Here he is concerned about Jesus. He tells him he's going to be killed, and Peter doesn't want to see that happen to him. And Jesus really unloads on him, you know, calling him Satan, an obstacle to God. But what happened? Did Jesus get off on the wrong side of the bed that day? Well, of course, I don't need to tell you that there's obviously more going on to the story here than what we see at first glance. It's more than just Peter being concerned about Jesus' well-being. Yeah, that's part of it, certainly. He doesn't want to see that happen to Jesus. But there's another element to it. At the time of Jesus, there was Messiah fever was, was everywhere. And lots of people had come along claiming to be the Messiah. And the Jews had a belief about the Messiah that they got from the scriptures that they kind of got the right answer the wrong way. I like to say that they put two and two together and got the square root of 16. The right answer, but they misunderstood it. They correctly understood from the scriptures that when the Messiah came, he would live forever. But they thought it meant he would never die. And so anytime somebody came along and claimed to be the Messiah, and most of them were political type figures raising up an army to fight against the Romans, when he was killed, they all knew that oh, this guy wasn't the Messiah, just another false prophet. And they all disbanded, and nobody followed him. So, and, and fa um, in fact, that's actually even something that Pontius Pilate didn't seem to understand at Jesus' trial when he had him scourged, figuring maybe that would be enough punishment for him and they'd let him go. They didn't, he didn't realize that it wasn't enough for them to have Jesus punished. He had to be put to death to prove to his followers that he was not the Messiah. That's why they fought adamantly. They had to have him crucified. So um, they didn't understand what we do, that he would die and rise from the dead and live forever. But with that understanding, last week we heard, and this follows directly upon it, that Peter professes that Jesus is the Messiah, and Jesus says to him, you are, you are right, I am the Messiah. And now I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to suffer and die. And at that point, thought Peter's mind must have gone on tilt. Dying, Messiah, you can't die if you're the Messiah. If you die, you're not the Messiah. It was an oxymoron, like a married bachelor. And he said, that's why he turns to him and says, God forbid, Lord, that that should happen to you. If you die, you're not the Messiah. And that's why Jesus turns and says, get behind me, you Satan, you obstacle to me. You're thinking the way men think, not the way God thinks. And otherwise, he, he was saying to him, Peter, You've got it all wrong. The current generation has gotten this whole thing about the Messiah wrong, and I cannot work in that uh, image that they have. I have come for a completely different way to save the world. I have not come to save the world by raising up an army and fighting and sitting on a throne for all of eternity after I defeat them, but he's come to suffer and die and rise from the dead, thus defeating the devil by his own weapon, death. Remember the ultimate enemy of Israel was not the Romans, it was the devil. The Lord had came to destroy sin and death. And the way he did that was taking the devil's trump card, death, taking it upon himself, and by dying and rising from the dead, destroying death and turning the devil's weapon into our victory. So that now when we die, we're not entering into Satan's kingdom as when he brought uh, evil into the world, when he brought death into the world it became, but rather it's our entrance to salvation if we have remained faithful to the Lord.
And it's a challenge to them and a challenge to us today that he says, you must do the same thing. Take up your cross and follow me. And it's not an easy lesson. We don't like the cross. We don't like it to be that way. We'd all prefer it to be very different. I'm sure if God were to ask us how, we were, how he should redeem the world, we would probably say, well, raise up an army of, of angels, get Michael and all the archangels to fight against the devil, destroy him, and then give us peace on this earth. And he could have done that. That is the way we think. But that's not the way God thinks. And God did not plan to redeem the world that way. Rather than raising up an army, he chose to take the bull by the horns, to go into all of the evil itself, assume it all upon himself, let everybody during his passion do to him the worst they could imagine, and then destroy it. And remember, the first thing that he said from the cross was not, Father, get them back for what they did to me, but Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's what the Lord came to do, and he tells us that's what we need to do. And what a stumbling block it is for so many people. For 2,000 years, it has been probably the biggest obstacle to people believing in God, the whole problem of evil. If God is so good, why does he let evil continue? And we consider that we think since God is all-powerful and God could just wave his hand and destroy all evil, the fact that he doesn't do so means God is not loving. That's the way we think. That's not the way God thinks. And God says, no, I did it differently. I'm going into the midst of the evil. I'm going into the grid of it all, and I'm going to defeat it. And you must be willing to do the same thing. And yet sometimes even those of us who are faithful Catholics, who come every Sunday to Mass, still struggle with that. Something bad happens and we might shake our fist at God and say, why did you let this happen to me? Why are you punishing me? What did I do to deserve this? There's still a part of us that thinks that way. And until we change and see things God's way, he's going to be forever a stumbling block to us. Always going to be someone who's not fair because we're seeing things our way and not his way. So what is his way? His way, of course, he tells us, is to take up the cross. What was the cross? First of all, as we know, it was painful. The Romans used crucifixion as the worst of punishments for the, the worst of criminals. In fact, when we talk about something being excruciating, that comes from the Latin excrucium, from the sufferings of the cross, from the sufferings of someone being crucified. And Jesus did not deserve his death on the cross. It was... He was put to death as a blasphemer by the Jews of making himself God, which they thought was blasphemy, and as a traitor to Caesar by the Romans. And it was, of course, absolutely false charges. He was falsely accused, and they ridiculed him and mocked him as he carried his cross, and he didn't deserve any of it. And of course, as I said, the first thing he said from the cross was not, Lord, I hope they understand, get them back for this, but Father, forgive them. And that's what you and I must do. Take the cross, take it up on, uh, on our shoulders and carry it, knowing that the Lord will be there each and every step of the way to deal with it. And if we look back in our lives, I think we'll discover that the moments that have really proved our mettle, that have really given us the character that we are, that have made us great people, if we are great people, is not the wonderful moments. It's not the joys. It's been the trials when difficult things happen to us, and we endure them patiently, asking the Lord to help us to carry the cross that comes our way. That's what has made us stronger. And that leads us closer into the Lord's embrace. 
In fact, we see that over and over again in the lives of the great saints. St. John Paul II wrote about that repeatedly, about all the many times that he suffered in his life, how it brought him closer to the Lord. And that's what the Lord intends, because remember, God did not create evil. That came into the world through, evil, through original sin. That was Satan's work. And he brings evil continuously into our world, hoping that we'll curse God, that we'll blame him for it, and that will separate us from God, and then he can just reel us in like a fish on a hook. And for some people, they stub their toe, and they get angry at God, and he says, boy, that was easy. But other people endure great suffering, great sorrows, and instead of getting angry at God, turn to the Lord and say, Lord, help me carry this cross. And those are the people who come to know the Lord and follow him, and they become better disciples of Jesus, and most importantly, they defeat the power of the devil with his own weapon. What he brought to try to bring us away from God only strengthens our faith in him. And if we can do that, then we're participating with Christ and taking up our cross and following in his footsteps. I'd like to share with you a story of something that happened to me some years back, not here in St. Anne's, in another parish where I was assigned. I was not the pastor. I was only the assistant there. But I suffered greatly at the hands of a few parishioners. And when I look back now on the situation, I'm grateful to God for the way I handled it because I learned so much from it. There was a person in the parish who I had always gotten along with, never had any difficulties with, always spoke favor of, of me to people. And I don't know what happened, but one day this person finally got a bee in their bonnet and decided that I was evil. And I was causing all the problems, anything that people complained about in the parish, it was all my fault. And this person called a meeting one night with several other uh, influential parishioners and sat them down. And the people went in good faith. They had no idea what this meeting was about, only to talk about the problems in our parish. And in the process of it all, he told them, well, this person told them all that the um, cause of all these troubles is myself, and that he had spoken, he, this person claimed to have spoken to the cardinal, and the, this was Cardinal Egan at the time, and that the cardinal said, if you get enough letters written about him, I'll have him removed, which is not the way things work, first of all. And the person started telling all sorts of lies. Some of them were in, uh, le legitimate things that I had done that maybe were appropriate in the time, perhaps even necessary, good normal things that they so twisted and distorted as to make them look like they were something evil and spun the tale that way that I had actually done something evil and then other things that they totally made up. It absolutely never happened. And thankfully for me, uh, one of the people who was at this meeting said, you know, I, this is a sham. He goes, I will have nothing to do with this. He said, told them, goes, if you have a problem with Father Carosa, you sit down and speak with him or go and talk to the Monsignor. But getting people to write letters, this is the wrong way to go about it. You're not even giving Father a chance to address it. And other people were saying, this can't be true. This just doesn't sound like the Father Carosa we know what you're saying. But they did convince other people who'd said, gee, what a shock. He seems so nice. I can't believe he's actually doing all those things. And convinced some people to write letters downtown. And they did. Thankfully, one of the people the next day told me about the meeting and said, I think you'd better you know, be, be prepared to defend yourself. So I called the director of priest personnel, who would be the one responsible, who ultimately would get that letters and those letters and have to talk to me. And I made a meeting with him, and I talked to him about it. And that's where I heard some of the things that people were saying about me. And some of them were absolutely ridiculous. For example, one of them claimed that 
I stopped the mass at one point and publicly corrected and chastised a lector for mispronouncing a word. Come on, who would do that? How could anybody believe something like that? Another one claimed that the altar servers live in terror of me, that they're absolutely frightened whenever they see me come along. And anytime I go into the classrooms in the school, the kids all stiffen, they're all frightened by my presence. They must know a different Father Carosa from me because see, I've always worked very well with children. Well, fortunately, I was able to uh, defend myself to this priest even though it was an uphill battle. He wasn't believing me at first. He was not giving me the benefit of the doubt, and he was believing what the people said. Ultimately, he finally uh, sided with me, and the cardinal dismissed everything as nonsense when, the pa when he called the pastor, and the pastor said, no, none of that is going on. He told him about some of the things they mentioned, and he said, this is what really happened, and was able to defend me and clear my record so that downtown, they said, all right, they just told me after that, well, just keep your head low and don't give them any fodder to have anything bad to say about you. And I wasn't very happy about that. I said, here these people are going out, and rather than somebody sending them a letter and saying, Father has been vindicated, you know, we believe that this did not happen, I was just told to keep a low profile so that they didn't say anything about me. And it wasn't easy. Let me tell you, I wasn't sleeping at night. My nerves were shaking over the thought of it. It really took the wind out of my sails. Fortunately, as I went through it, I prayed about it, and... I couldn't bring myself to be angry, especially since I knew some of the people that had been involved with it were people who had been very dear to me. And I couldn't just bring myself to be angry at them. I was disappointed that they listened to these lies that this person was spreading. And I'm saying, you know, did you never at any point say to yourself, this just doesn't sound right? There's something wrong with this story that you're telling us, Father, did? But I did pray for them, and I said, Lord, I want them to see, certainly I prayed for my own reputation to be restored, but I also said, Lord, I want them to understand that they, they, they followed somebody, they listened to gossip and hearsay, and they took it seriously. And hopefully someday I know they will come to realize that they were wrong. And then when they finally realize that, I hope and pray they will come to me and ask for forgiveness and I will give it to them. In fact, one person who wrote the letter to the Cardinal also sent a carbon copy to me with all, with all of the stuff in it. And I said to her in this letter, I said, someday you're going to come to realize that all of your things, all of the things you said about me were wrong. And on that day, when you feel bad about it and you realize, you know, I, I need Father's forgiveness, I don't want you to worry about whether I will give it to you because I have already forgiven you. Well, I got my vindication. Not long after that, this person started again with another story. And this time, it blew up in the person's face. They were caught red-handed in the lies. It was absolutely clear that this person was on some sort of a pogrom for no reason whatsoever. And people did not follow the person this time. And one by one, they started thinking back about what this person did to me. And they started second-guessing themselves. And they started asking other people and discovered that all of the stories that were told about me were simply not true. And some of the people actually came to me and had the strength to say, Father, I'm sorry that I wrote about you. I'm sorry I did that. Can you please forgive me? Others who I realized they didn't have the strength to come to me and actually apologize in person, but I could see in their behavior towards me. They were doing everything possible to be conciliatory, to try to make up in their own way. And I realized that. I said, even though they're not saying in words, I'm sorry, Father, this was their way of apologizing, including the lady who wrote that letter. And, well, that one letter that I read. 
And afterwards, I came out you know, looking like somebody who had been falsely accused, and as I was, and they had a lot more sympathy for me. Now, I could have responded to that. As I realized looking back, I'm very happy about the way I dealt with it. I could have gone right after them and uh, um, shot their boat out of the water and you know, let everybody hear my own defense of myself against them. But that would have caused a riot in the parish. That would have divided people, and I didn't want to do that. Fortunately, all of this was very quiet. The, the vast majority of the people in the parish had no idea this was going on. It was a tempest in a teapot, and we were able to leave it at that. But as I've looked back on that moment, I realize how much grace I received from God in the process of it all. And I was pleased with myself that I picked up my cross and I followed with the Lord and I didn't ask for revenge against them. I only prayed for them. And I said, well, Lord, I didn't do anything to deserve this, but it is what it is and I just need to deal with it properly. Lord, and I remember praying, Lord, help me to deal with this the right way. And he did help me through it. And I realized it made me a stronger priest. And I was pleased with myself afterwards as how I felt dealt with it. That looking back, I didn't resort the way the devil would have liked us to do. But instead, I was able to do it in a more Christ-like manner. And I'm not telling you this to try to praise myself and make you think I'm some sort of a hero. That's the furthest thing from my mind. But because I did have my own uh, experience of that, of saying, you know what? I felt much better when I dealt with it God's way. When I took the, the uh, bull by the horns head on and dealt with it properly, and the Lord ultimately gave me vindication, which he will do for all of us on the last day when he returns in glory. And so, my friends, in all of the trials that we have in our lives, and they are many, some of them we deserve. Let's face it, sometimes somebody does something, and we have to be honest that you know, we're suffering because of our own sins. Sometimes it's quite natural, you know, a natural disaster or an illness comes along. I mean, who deserved to get the COVID or the people who were suffering from Hurricane Laura? I mean, they didn't do anything to deserve that. God wasn't spiting them. So sometimes it's just because evil is in the world and we have to deal with it. And other times we suffer because of the sins of other people, people who say or do things that maybe even ruin our lives. And that's where it seems the most unfair because part of us may want to reach out and say, God, get them back for what they did. But instead, if we can do things as Christ tells us to do, not as Peter wanted to do, to go out and just automatically uh, wave the hand and make sure that no evil ta happens, but to tackle it, to take the bull by the horns. And when we have a cross that is put on our shoulders, rather than saying, Lord, take it away from me, which we can pray for, even Jesus did the night before he died, but ultimately, if we must endure it, rather than being angry at God, turn to him for comfort and say, Lord, help me to carry this cross. I know I don't deserve it, but here it is. And help me to carry my cross as you carried yours. And he will be there to help us, like Simon of Serene helping Jesus. He will always be there. And if we carry our cross, it may be painful, as Jesus was for him, but ultimately we will triumph. And we will find that by taking up our cross and following Jesus, we will enter into the glory of his kingdom. May Jesus Christ be praised, now and forever. Thank you for listening to this week's homily by Father Carrozza. If you enjoyed this homily, please pass the word on to your friends and invite them to listen. For more materials from Father Carosa, please visit www.fathercarosa.com.